So um, Lisa and I got married right out of college, and uh, we dated for six years before that, which has nothing to do with the story I'm about ready to tell, but I just thought it was cool. No, okay, so um, we, we, our first place was an apartment, not like an apartment building, but one of those buildings that's like shaped in a horseshoe, and then, you know, each kind of unit is right attached to it, so, you know, and so we, it was like this horseshoe, and then there was this guy across the street from us who uh, would sit on his porch and yell and uh, drink and yell. He was, um, what's the word? Oh, yeah, psycho, okay? Uh, he was psycho. And so he would yell obscenities, and there was a, a young girl who lived in the complex with us, and he'd yell at her when she got out of her car and all this kind of stuff. So it, it was just... <sighs> You know, it's just one of these things where, you know, you'd just be sitting there going, I mean, really? Like, you're really yelling? And it was all gibberish about Russia and all this kind of stuff. And I, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I don't know why. I didn't, he was just crazy. So one night, uh, I was working at home with Lisa on my computer, which at the time was a little Mac SE, the little square one, just to tell you how long ago that was. Um, and so I was working on that, and I, I hear this just profanity just being yelled I'm like honey is that you and then it wasn't no I'm kidding it was so it's uh it's this guy and he's in his front yard and he's screaming and you know you know how it is you're kind of bummed but you're kind of excited at the same time you know I don't know if this ever happens when something happens in your neighborhood you know you get that kind of little kid thing again so I'm all like little kid on him, you know, like, God, this is neat. So um, I go to the window, and he's in his front. Now, you have to understand, his front yard faced like he was looking in our window, essentially, like across the street. And he's got a shotgun. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so he's got the shotgun, and I, I'm like, and, and sure enough, he just starts pumping rounds up into the air. So... First, I peed, then, <laughs> then I ran, I hit, the, I hit the lights, it went completely dark, and I'm just like, you know, you know I'm telling Lisa, you know, get off my leg, I'm every man for himself, you know, it's like totally, you know, I'm just manning up there, and, uh, and so, you know, all the lights are out, and so I, I want to see what he's doing, because I don't, I don't like it when I can't see what's going on. I, I don't want to just sit there. And so I, I snuck over to the window, and I was looking out in the window, and uh, I, I didn't want to get shot, you see, because guns add a little next level, you know what I mean? And um, so he go, runs into his house, and then he runs out, and he runs away. And, you know, the cops, 45 minutes later, come... Uh, <laughs> screeching up to the up to the uh house it was very fast i'm just kidding for for you officers out there um uh it was very fast and uh, and they fling open their doors and they've got all their guns drawn because guns ramp it up a notch right so they're all like this now you have to understand they're in front of me facing his house and they don't know that he's not in the house so i decided I was going to tell them. So I snuck out the side of my house and was trying to get their attention because I was behind them. Um, and this is how I did it. It was awesome because they don't, 
I don't know if there's a class on how you approach police officers when their guns are drawn from behind them, but uh, I could probably teach that class now if they could. So I go, I literally I go, excuse me? As in the softest, like, I'm going to blow away in the wind. This is how innocent and frail I am. Uh, excuse me? And the, this lady... I'm relatively sure, was, uh, she has her gun, she goes, get back in the house, right? And so I'm like, okay, except he's not there. What? So she comes in, and now all of a sudden, I'm, I feel like I'm a hero, you know? And I, that, that the, he's, he put his gun inside the house, and he went around, and so they got him, and they brought him up, and they did the flashlight thing, and I had to identify him, and all this kind of stuff, which is really, really cool, until one of the police officers said to me, um, so now you'll have to testify. And I'm like, I beg your pardon? Because uh, you saw the gun. You can tell him that that was the gun. It probably feel the barrel. It's still warm. I don't know. But I had to testify. So I did testify, and he went to prison for six months. <clears throat> then he came back. <laughs> and he just wasn't happy. I, don't, I felt like something kind of came between us. I don't know. I just kind of felt like our relationship had taken a, a, a thing. So, so I bought a gun, okay? You guys are like, man, what is this? Uh, this is just confession time. Uh, so I bought a gun, and I had this gun, and I didn't grow up around guns, so guns frightened me, and now I have one in my house. And I always, like, knew where it was, and it always had this, like, power, this, like, aura, this, like, thing, because I just never felt comfortable I don't, you know, I, and it would, I'd have it locked up and all stuff. And I, I always, I, it just, I just didn't, I'd always, it was in the back of my mind. Because guns have the ability to change your life just with one mistake, one little error, and it can totally change your life. That guy, had he just been yelling, probably would have been fine. Maybe somebody would have called the cops or whatever. Or they would have told him, hey, so. but once he pulled out a gun and shot that gun, everything changed. And I realized once I had had that gun in my house, everything had kind of changed. That guns kind of bring a different element to it. And once you sneak up on a police officer while they have their gun drawn, that kind of changed things too, right? So, so here's my point. If I had told you, now we ended up getting, when we had kids, we ended up getting rid of the gun, not because you, you know, I just was freaked out by it. If I had left that gun out, and just had it on the kitchen table, uh, you know, and we got kids and whatever, and I got ammo over here, and I got guns everywhere, and I got, they're just kind of going on. You'd say I was irresponsible because of what this gun can do, one false move, and your life can change. I mean, you, you'd say, look, there's certain safety things. You do this, you do that, you, you know, do all this kind of stuff, right? And so, but in our homes, in every single one of our homes is something more deadly than a gun. It's more devastating. It can wreak more havoc. It's more dangerous. And we have it just accessible to everybody. It's our mouth. Our mouth can do more damage than a gun. And what I want to do this morning is I want to get us to begin to think of our mouth with almost a sense of, be real careful. 
if that thing goes off, <laughs> our lives can be radically changed. I want us to get with our mouth some things set up that we would view it like we would view a firearm, like we'd view something to be very careful with, with great responsibility and great care. Um, the Bible, uh, we, we've been in this, uh, this series called Relationships. There's an app for that. And um, uh, the, the Bible speaks a lot about relationships. And so what we've been trying to explore is, does the Bible give us any insight on how we can make our relationships better, how we can um, you know, deal with difficult people and learn how to forgive, which will be next week, and all this kind of stuff. And the Bible speaks a lot about our mouth and how our mouth can destroy relationships or nurture and build up relationships. I mean, there are purposes to have a gun. I'm not dissing guns for all you guys, especially for all you guys who have them. Um, <laughs> But I, 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 there's, there's lots of great uses for them. Uh, I'm just frightened of them, okay? So here's what the Bible says. I want to just read some things because I, I'll bet if you go back into your life and you begin to think about the people that hurt you, oftentimes it's not so much what they did, it's what they said that you just can't let go. Now, there are some things that they did that are very hurtful, but oftentimes what I find when I'm counseling people is what somebody did can be forgiven or, you know, it was a mistake. It was a, but something that they said, there's something about words that when they come out, they, they, they sear your identity. And some of you sitting here and myself as well, part of our identity has been shaped by somebody just wielding around their mouth. Maybe it's a family that you were raised in. Maybe it was a group of friends growing up that called you names that gave you uh, labels and labeled you and did all these kind of things and called you hurtful things. And, and your identity has been seared. Damage has been done. Well, the Bible speaks about this a lot. And it, it talks about our mouth as being a weapon, about being very powerful and very dangerous. I want to read just a couple of verses that were written by the wisest man who's ever walked the face of the earth. His name's Solomon. He was an architect and an artist and he wrote a lot of songs and uh, he uh, wrote one song of Solomon that was all that you know all kind of sexy okay and uh, so but he wrote a lot of other things just about life <laughs> okay God God gave him wisdom to do this okay so uh, Proverbs ten nineteen. listen to this don't don't miss this because it's Old Testament stuff listen to this because whether you believe in the Bible or not, you will, you'll see, you'll have seen this in your life. When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Is that not the truth? I mean, how have you ever gotten yourself into trouble because you couldn't stop talking? Like you just kept talking and talking and then finally, it's, it's like, it's like uh, words are like a soup and there's sin in there and you just keep talking, stirring it up and all of a sudden the eyeball comes up at the top and you're like, ew, that's what happens when we talk. Not a good example, but it's what happens when we talk. Didn't use it first service, probably never use it again. Uh, it's that when words are many, sin is not absent. So in other words, you have, listen, we have a greater potential to sin the more we keep talking. 
the more we just keep waving it around, the more we keep just leaving it unlocked and just letting it sit on the kitchen counter, the more we treat our mouth like it's not to be respected, like it's not powerful, sin, it's good. we're going to fire a shot if we just keep going and going and going. It's amazing, very wise uh, Solomon. Then in uh, chapter 21, there's many, many, many verses. I just wanted to read these two. Proverbs 21, 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Not trouble, not, you know, issues, not slip-ups, calamity. Our mouth is so powerful and so dangerous that with it, we can actually completely change our lives into calamity just from what we say. The Bible tells us this. But it's not just in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament as well. And it doesn't get any better. James, uh, the author of the book, James, uh, wrote wrote this. um, uh, It's not up here, but I want to just kind of tell you how he sets up his book. His uh, book is written to Christians, and um, he says this. It's, It's not on the wall. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. If we can't control our mouths, there's no business talking about Jesus. We have, it's very, our mouths are very powerful and can be used for great healing and great restoration and utter destruction and calamity. So that's what he says. He says, if you can't control your mouth, if you think you're religious, and in this term, he's not using religion as like a bad term, like uh, you're just so religious, you know, right? You know, it, it, it was really, I mean, you're a follower of God, but if you can't control your, your mouth, then your religion's worthless, okay? So then he goes on in verse three. I want to read this part. Uh, uh, I mean, chapter three, verse six. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What is the tongue? Our mouths are very, very powerful. James is saying it's a fire. And that with your mouth, you can set your life on fire. And your tongue is set on fire by hell. He's trying to get this point across to them. Guys, keep it locked up, put it in a closet, and keep the ammunition away from the gun itself. Take every precaution, essentially, is what James is saying. This is crazy stuff. Don't play with matches. Don't play with fire. He goes on. It says this in verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea, are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's poison. It brings calamity. It's like a wild animal. It's like a fire. There's sin where many words are. Now, if all this is the case, what do we do? (laughs) Not ever talk again? Yes. As the worship band returns, no, uh, okay. No, what, what do we do? H- how, do we, how, do we get, how, do we, how do we control it? How do we 
think about it. How do we get it? I mean, uh, if if, if we wave it around like a gun and we just keep talking and people are going to get hurt, we got to be able to do something about this. We have to be able to take it to a next level, take our speech to the next level. How do we do that? Well, it's awesome that you should ask. Uh, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a, a letter to a church in Ephesus. And, and in that letter, he's gone over all sorts of different doctrine about pre, all these predestination and this and the Holy Spirit and all this kind of stuff and our, our walk with the Lord. And then he gets to chapter 4, and he's really giving some specific instruction. And the instruction he's giving us right now is about our tongue, about our words, and he understands exactly how powerful and how destructive or how restorative our words can be. And so here's what he says. He says this. He says in uh, Ephesians 4.29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Not one, not tomorrow, not the next day. He starts off by saying, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. And you say, well, I'm glad you are here, Pastor John, because I don't cuss. So stick it to him, okay? That was an unwholesome word. Bam, gotcha, no. Okay, what does that word unwholesome mean? We always think of it as like cuss words, and that's a very small part of it that, that isn't where we want our focus to be. We don't want our focus to be on don't cuss. We want it to be much higher than that. We want to use our words to bring healing, to bring restoration. And this idea of, of uh, no unwholesome means rotten. It means not fit for use. So in other words, he's saying don't use words that don't do anything good, essentially. If I had you over to my house and I served you fruit, I said, would you like some fruit? You say, yes, I would like some fruit. And so I get you some fruit and it's rotten. It's no good. And I say, well, I didn't know you wanted fresh fruit. You know, I, I, yeah. it, it doesn't do any good. It's still fruit, right? But it's rotten. It's worthless. It's no good. This is what Paul's trying to get us to understand. Look, when you open your mouth, I don't want any word coming out that isn't going to do something well. You see that? It's not just don't cuss. That's, I mean, a lot of people don't cuss, and their mouths are some of the foulest I've ever heard because of the damage and the bitterness and that, that anger that just comes spewing out of them with not even one cuss word. Oh, what is going on with this thing? I'm going to pull this out. I know it looks weird, but it's driving me crazy. So he says this, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. And then he goes on, because this is the kicker, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. Here's what you're going to write for your thing and what we're going to explore this morning. I don't, have you ever been involved in a conversation or a situation and you say, Lord, just give me the words to say. Just give me the words to say right here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to change all that. We're going to say this morning, don't ask for words, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. See, words aren't always the solution to every problem. Words only do so much. See, what Paul's saying here is don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Another, oh, but only that which fits the need of the moment. Well, what's the need of the moment? That's the million-dollar question we have to get from God. God, what do you want me to do right now? 
What is the need of this moment? And what it does is it takes our attention off of ourselves because oftentimes, at least for me, when I'm talking, I'm trying to accomplish something. I have an agenda. I'm either defending myself or trying to convince somebody of something or trying to encourage them or trying to do whatever, but it's all about what I'm trying to do. Every time we use our words, or oftentimes, it's about what we're trying to accomplish. And God is saying, I want you to stop talking and make sure that every word that comes out of your mouth fulfills the need of the moment, and I'll show you what the need of the moment is. I'll give you a great example. Husbands, uh, sometimes come to find out uh, your wives just want you to listen uh, and not talk. See, when Lisa talks to me, I want to solve all the problems because who doesn't want their problems solved? Women, apparently, uh, you know. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and, and so sometimes the need of the moment, I, I could be saying, Lord, give me the words to say to her. Give me, oh, she, oh, she's so frustrated right now. Give me the words to say. Give me the words to say. And the Lord's going, I can't hear you, Lord. I don't hear I have any words. I don't, you're not giving me any words. The Lord's like, duh. Because what my wife needs me to do is just sit there and go, oh, man. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that? <laughs> oh, oh, that was great, because women, you're coming up a little later in the sermon. <laughs> Talking about words. Okay, no, so anyway. All right. All right. According to the need of the moment. What's the need of the moment? What do you need right now? Your boss comes, and you guys aren't getting along or whatever. What does the moment need? Does it need you to be quiet? Does it need you to say, I'm sorry? Does it need, it's not the words, it's the moment that takes precedent. Oftentimes when, I, um, when I'm speaking, I'm only thinking about what I'm trying to accomplish. And the Lord's saying, stop that. I don't even want, I don't even want any word coming out of your mouth that is rotten, that isn't good for anything. Just stop. Listen. What's the need of the moment? Very, very, very important. Don't ask for words, ask for wisdom. And oftentimes what you'll find is that in a lot of times, words aren't even necessary. We're, you know, when I, when I first became a pastor, I, um, I didn't know how to be a pastor. And so I was doing my best. I probably still don't, but um, there's a lot of things you do as a pastor that they don't, there's like no book or anything. I mean, it's just, you just go and, pastor and one of them's weddings and funerals that kind of stuff but the other is hospital visits now when I first became a pastor the hospital gave me the creeps now it doesn't I can go I'm like putting on scrubs and doing all this kind of stuff I don't really now I don't even care but back then it I'm like I don't know what to do and so I had to go to my first hospital visit now you have to understand for you guys you're just like you know what's the big deal but for me I'm like what do you do? How do I, what do I say? Do I bring a Bible? Do I bring communion? Do I, you know, I, well, how do I dress? And what if people are crying? And do I, you know, bring a hanky? I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I don't know what to say. And so I'm pr- on my way there praying, Lord, give me the words to say. Give me the words to say. Give me the words. No, no, no words are coming. That's your first hint. Okay. And so I, I, I'm, I, got, I got nothing. So I call my friend Kevin and uh, he's been a pastor for 15 years, and I go, Kevin, I'm going to the hospital. 
He's like, what happened? I'm like, no, I'm just visiting someone. But that's a different part of the story. But uh, so I, I, go, I go, I'm going to the hospital. What do I say to these people? And he goes, I remember it. I was sitting in the park. I'm, I, I had parked in the thing, and I'm like, any last, give me something. I'm, he- I'm going in, you know, <laughs> cover me. You know? And he goes, don't say anything. Just be there. I'm like, okay. Then what do I say? You know, it's like, no, just, just be there. You don't have to say anything. What are you going to say? I'm like, that's my point. He said, just be there. So I did that. I went there and I didn't say a word. Well, I mean, they said hi and I said hi back. It wasn't like, <laughs> I, I don't know. For those of you who know sign language, I don't know what I just spelled right there, so I apologize. Uh, it's just like, man, that guy said no unwholesome word. I'll tell you what. Um, so, so I just showed up. I just showed up. You know what? That was the need of the moment. And for some of us, as we look in those scriptures and we're trying to see, Lord, how do I, how do I fix this relationship? How do I, how do I uh, take this relationship to the next level? How do I um, um, solve this problem in this relationship? Sometimes just being there is all you have to do. We have to treat our mouths like if this thing goes off, I don't know what's going to happen. There has to be a little sense of fear before we open our mouths. At least this is what I found out this week as I've been going through that stu- the study. For me, I mean, this, is really, uh, this really hit me hard because as a pastor, oftentimes you're supposed to say something, quote unquote, when in fact you really shouldn't. You should really just be quiet, except when you're preaching on Sunday morning. Okay, so according to the need of the moment. Then it goes on, and it says this. uh, So that it will give grace to those who hear. See, don't let anything worthless come out of your mouth. Let only worthwhile things come out of your mouth that give grace to those who hear. It says um, a word in that second section there, as is good for edification. That means to be built up, for building up. So what in this situation, what what needs to happen in this situation to build that person up, to bring life into this situation? Maybe it's to be quiet. Maybe it's to walk away. Like, man, my mouth is ready to go. I got the hammer pulled back. It's loaded for bear. And I just don't don't want anyone to get hurt. I'm out of here. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had to do that. I've had to do that where I'm just like, I, I, I can't even talk right now. If I talk, it's, I'm, I'm like sitting there, you know, we got the thing up, I got the rocket pointed right at him. I'm like, oh man, right? So, so it's not even that we, our words don't, it's not even that we should allow worthless words to come out. They should always have value to bring, uh, to bring building up and to bring grace. Now, now imagine, church, what we would be like as Christians, if all that came out of our mouth was for edification, for building up, and for grace, how would your relationships look if that's all that came out of your mouth? Now, here's the problem now. Here's the kicker, and this is where it's hard for me. But if I don't say something, right? If I don't, you know, how am I going to get that raise, this person who's terrible at my work, if I don't promote myself or if I don't demote them or I, how am I going to get that raise God 
How am I going to, yeah, but if I don't defend myself, how am I going to, how am I going to get God? God's going to do that. Now, there, uh, listen, all these things, obviously, there are times when you stand firm and you're bold and you speak, it, and there's a bombshell that goes off, but it's, a, it's one that just says, look, it's for justice, okay? When we stand up for justice, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about relationship building. I'm talking about trying to figure out how do I speak in a way that brings edification and grace to the moment. Because here's the thing. Here's what, Matt, here's what Jesus says. He says this out of Matthew 12, 34. He says this, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Actually, he starts that verse off with, you brood of vipers. So, Apparently, you can go after somebody every now and then. It's okay. But he says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is the need of the moment? Am I trying to get my agenda? Is it, my, is it me trying to defend myself, trying to make myself look good, trying to uh, feel like I have to say something because what are they going to think if I don't? And all is it that or is it, Lord, not my will, but your will be done? I want my heart in line with your heart so that out of the overflow of my heart, God's heart, my mouth would speak and it would be filled with grace and edification because now my heart is in line with God's heart. When it's not, when it's for my own self-interest and my own things, my own self-promotion, it does damage. And where many words are, sin is not absent. And then he says something really, really amazing after that. He says, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every, every careless word they have spoken. God takes our words very seriously. He warned us in Proverbs. It's all through there. James is trying to warn us. It's a loaded gun. Your mouth, my mouth is a loaded gun. And what God is saying is like, look, on the day, this is serious to me. How you speak is serious to me. You got to treat it like it, like, like there are locks on it. You know, you know, when you have a gun, um, you know, you got the trigger lock and then you got the, then it goes in another case and that's locked. And then you, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons why I didn't, don't have a gun is it would take me a half an hour to get it out to just, if someone wanted to take my television. Like, can you hold on in there a second? You know, fiddling with all the keys and all this kind of stuff. That's how it should be with our mouths. It should take so long to unlock all the locks that by the time it finally comes, you're like, you know what, forget it. It's just not even worth it. Take my television. Go ahead. Shoot me. What do I care? I got too much going on. That's how it should be with our mouths. God takes it very serious. On the day of judgment, we will have to give an account for every careless word we've spoken. I don't know what that looks like, but the point Jesus is making is it's not going to be fun, that part of it. I had my Bible upside down. So let's do this. What I want to do is I want to give us um, some things that we can kind of help us this week and through the coming weeks. Are you Okay. All right, uh, so, uh, so, so the coming weeks of things we can kind of, these locks that we can put on our mouth to save us from calamity, to save us from sin, to save us from lighting a fire that we first wanted to just keep our hands warm by the gossip and it's just taken off. The poison, the untamed animals, all the things that God is using, how do we, how do we lock them up? So uh, there's a verse in Ephesians after chapter four, <coughs> excuse me, in chapter five, and it talks about, 
there should be no sexual immorality among you, no greed. I mean, all these things everybody knows. I mean, you, you know, obviously, we're in church. Uh, no greed, because these are improper. But then it goes on in verse 4, and it says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. In other words, they don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't match what you're supposed to be doing. It's unfit for use. And he says this, But rather thanksgiving. So instead of these worthless words, these words that don't mean anything, or these words that do destruction, instead of that, he's saying in in Ephesians, give graceful words, words that build up, thankful words. And so what I did was I took um, the word thank and I made an acrostic out of it, and that's what we're going to use to remember it because I'm a pastor and I'm a professional at this kind of stuff. Um, But it it spells thank, okay? And so these are the locks that you're going to have on your mouth this week uh, and when you get home and, uh, and, and forever, because this is going to be so applicable that you're going to be changed forever from the, okay? There's going to be five locks you're going to be able to unlock before a word comes out of your mouth, okay? And these are questions you're going to ask yourself. The first key uh, that you pull out is T, is it true? Is it true? Just that one filter will probably stop <laughs> a lot of what's going on. Now, you say, well, not do you think it's true, not somebody told me, and it's true that they told me, okay? Is it true, this thing you're going to say? Does she always say this, okay? You know, if you're talking about your wife, she always, you know, she, the, he never, that's not true. Okay, so we begin to have this filter. Is it true? Now, this is not just words we speak. These are emails we send. These are texts we send. These are Facebook posts we do. Are they true? Not do they advance my cause. Now, I mean, the Internet's filled with stories that advance people's causes that are not true. And so that's the first one. Is it true? The second thing is, uh, is it helpful? Is it helpful? If what I'm going to say, is it helpful? Is it just empty words? Is it just blah, blah, blah? Now, there are times when you're in conversations when the need of the moment is to have just, you know, sometimes in order to build a friendship with a neighbor, your first 15 conversations are about the weather, okay? You know, it's not really, they're not really great words that have much value, but it's, it's for the need of the moment because it's building this relationship. Is what I'm about to say helpful? So, for example, uh, last week we talked about dealing with difficult people. And the first thing we have to do is just stop talking about them. See, because what happens is if, if, if Lisa and I get into a huge fight and I'm with my friends and I'm talking about it, it might be true, you know, she might have burnt the toast. That might be a true thing. But is it helpful for me to talk to my friends about it? Now, sometimes it might be, you know, because you're going, because your friends might go, dude, you're an idiot. Go back home and eat the toast. You're, you know, and then you go, oh, that was helpful, right? But most of the time when you're talking with your friends about another friend or you're at work and you're talking about somebody else at work, and it may be true, but is it helpful? Is this helping the situation? Does it make that person a better worker? Does it make the, 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 the office a better place to work? That's the second key. The third key is, is it appropriate? Is it appropriate? There are things that are true that might be helpful, but in the company you're in, they're just not appropriate. 
I have different conversations with my wife than I do with my kids. I have different conversations with my friends than I do with you guys. And so, so is it appropriate? Like, look at the need of the moment. Are there kids around? Are there, you know, whatever? Some, sometimes we post things on Facebook that really probably should have been said in private. Was it true and helpful? Maybe, but it's just not appropriate, okay, for all sorts of different reasons. Um, one of the things about uh, uh, appropriate is the, the setting. Like, is this the right place for me to say that? So, you know, you have, you have a, a situation where it's, it's kind of getting ramped up and ramped up, and, but that person, you really need to talk to them, you really need to confront them on something, but the, the environment's so hostile, they wouldn't be able to hear from you anyway. So it's, it's not the appropriate time to speak, even though what you have to say is truthful and helpful. It's just, let's just, let's just let it simmer down. And see, this is the beauty of these locks. On each one, you're not going to yourself. You're going to the Lord. And you're saying, Lord, is this the right time? What's the need of the moment? Don't ask for words, ask for wisdom. Should I do this in another setting? Is, is, this, really, is this really what, what, I, what I should be doing? Uh, is it appropriate? Number uh, four, is it necessary? Is it necessary? Sometimes we talk about things just because we either like hearing ourselves talk, I know I do, or I just want to show off what I know. You ever do that? Uh-oh. <laughs> Neither do I. Man. But, you know, I, I'll catch myself sometimes, like, talking, going, what? This isn't even necessary. I, I put that fact in there to make myself look better. Serious, you know, hello? And so, and so you, you, it's not necessary. You were just doing that for, a, for some other motive. And guess what? That was my motive, and out of my heart, the gun went off. And it wasn't necessary for me to say that. It wasn't necessary for me to to do that, okay? Is it necessary? And uh, the last one, is it kind? Is it kind? See, these locks are amazing. <laughs> you say, now, John, if I went through this process every time I opened my mouth, I would hardly have anything to say. Here, listen to this, listen to this. This is what's so awesome about this. When your heart begins to change, you'll have tons to say. See, out, out of the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth speaks, that, that goes positive as well as negative. You, w once you start to begin to change your thinking and you begin to think of these locks and begin to see how powerful your words are, you're going to start to see that when you use, that, and, and what I start to see is that when I use words that build somebody up, Oh, my relationship gets so much better. When I figure out a way to talk to my kids or talk to my wife in a way where I, 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 I or not my wife, but my kids, where I'm just like, man, I, I really want to strengthen this idea that you need to get good grades. And so what, what is it what a parent typically do? You know, you better make, you know, blah, blah, you, know you get all freaked out because, you know, when, when, you, when you begin to use these locks and begin, you know, I'm going to craft this way that builds them up, that it begins to start to change all your relationships. Because now you're not thinking, God, give me the words to say. You're saying, God, give me the wisdom. What does this need right now? Sometimes it just needs somebody just to hug, just to say, you know what? I'm so proud of you. I'm so amazed at what you're doing. 
I, I, I believe in our relationship. Or I, you start to use different words and your heart begins to overflow with what God ha- wants you to have in relationships. God wants us to have relationships that are healthy, speech that is healthy. And if not, if we can't control it, it's like leaving a loaded gun on the table with the safety off, fully loaded, and you just wait, and you're waving it around and going, you know where you see this? You see this on the playground. The playground to me, I, I hate bullies. I, I, just, it just, I just can't stand them. But the playground to me in a lot of ways is just kids coming to school just firing. And, and, and usually there's some kid who's got a little pea shooter and he can't defend himself and everybody's just blah, 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 just searing this identity onto him that God does not have. The only way to get that back is the same way it happened. It's for some of us Christians to step up and to step into that kid's life or that person's life that's so annoying at work and begin to repair some of that damage. And guess how we do that? With our mouth with our words, by going, what is the need of the moment? I'm going to be quiet here. See, silence is a word. Silence is just, choosing not to speak is is powerful a lot of times. We're going to, as the worship band returns, we're going to memorize a verse together right now that we can use for this week. And um, I totally, just just for my defense, it is very difficult to stand with my back to the verse. And like, I get all nervous and I, like, I, there's like all these blanks in my head. So I have this verse memorized. <laughs> like I'm not a hypocrite. It's just la- on, on first service when I was trying to go over it, I completely mixed it up. And that made it worse because your brain starts going, man, you're failing right in front of everybody. Doesn't, you know, so I'm going to look at the verse with us and go over this. So don't, I really do have it memorized. I, I promise. So, so that was probably unnecessary. And I did that just to save myself. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, that was the need of the moment. Uh, so, so here we go. We're, we're going to memorize this together. Psalm 141, verse 3. Uh, okay, here's what we're going to do. Good. You guys are right there. We're just going to do the first part right now. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Now, here's the great way to remember this. And you, you, you do it the way I think, I think David wrote it. He, he probably was going like this. Set a guard, oh Lord, over my mouth. You ever do that? You ever been like, oh man, I'll bet David did that. Like, set a guard, oh Lord, over my mouth, okay? Let's, let's do it again. This, we're going to do it that way. Set a guard, oh Lord, over my mouth. Again, set a guard, oh Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let's say it all together. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips.